0: Welcome to Igniting Your Faith. At Igniting Your Faith, we strive to motivate listeners toward a full life in Jesus Christ by sharing the love and life-changing force of God's Word. We encourage you to thoughtfully and prayerfully let God's love make an impact in your life. Now here is Dr. Chris Fisher with today's message of powerful truth from God's Word. Well, again, it's a joy to see everybody here this morning, and may the Lord bless each and every one of you and bless us together as we celebrate this holy day and live into its full meaning. And let's bow in prayer as we go to the word this morning. Lord, thank you for the promise of your Holy Spirit, Lord. You said you would pour out power from us on high and we would be your witnesses beginning with those first disciples all the way through today, and indeed until you return. And we ask you to pour out that spirit again today on us so that we would go forward from here refreshed in your power to bear witness to you, our living God. We thank you that you have conquered death, and that's enough. You have declared the victory, and the enemy has been thrown down. And now we who walk in your victory, following in your train, we give you praise. We worship you. And we ask you to speak to our hearts this morning, to strengthen us, Lord, in faith, in hope, and in love. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, today we're going to do a little bit of reflecting on the resurrection. That seems appropriate, right? But also on the reason Jesus endured the suffering of the cross. Consider for a moment who Jesus is and what he said about himself. He said, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. In John 6, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you've seen me and still you don't believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. I just want you to hear that promise. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive. Drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall let lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. That's our hope, brothers and sisters. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. I have come down from heaven. Did you hear that about Jesus? Now, the Jews were a little bit confused at this. It was difficult for them to get their heads around this. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? And Jesus answered them, no one has seen the father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the father. Now, Jesus liked to speak of himself sometimes in the third person. So he's talking about himself. know somewhere else he said whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life now are these the words that a sane human being would make if i came to you and i said i've got a ticket for eternal life for you do you have a knife and fork on hand but Jesus said this John 6:44 No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up at the last day John 8 Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day he saw it and was glad I wonder if that's what he saw on top of Mount Moriah when he went to sacrifice his son and God stayed his hand and said, don't do it. Now I know that you're willing and you love me more than anything because you wouldn't withhold your only son. I wonder if it was that day when the father opened up his eyes to see this mystery that he would give his son to really die as a sacrifice for us. Well, the Jews had a hard time with that. Your father Abraham, uh, you are not yet 50 years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham? Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Now at this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from them into the temple grounds. Now why would they stone him? Because by saying what he did in answer to their uh, accusation, their disbelief that he could have seen Abraham. He says, before Abraham was born, I am. He was saying to them the same words that Moses heard from the burning bush when God gave his name to Moses. I am that I am. Moses said to the voice coming from the bush, the voice of God, who are you that I can tell the people of Israel your name when they ask me? Tell them that I am is sending you to them. That's the name Jesus was claiming right there when he answered those people. And that's why they picked up stones, because they clearly understood he was claiming to be God. John 10, 14, 18. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Now, it seems likely that he's talking about all the Gentiles there. He's, he's speaking to the, the Jewish people in this conversation, but he's talking in that reference to other sheep who belong to his one sheep pen to the rest of the nations, the peoples of the earth, many of whom will respond to him. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. Now, does any of us have authority to lay down our life and take it up again? Can you go into the hospital confident as you're dying? Hey, Don't worry, I'm dying here, but I have authority, I'll take charge. And after I'm dead, a couple days from now, I'll be back. (laughs) Again, right? And yet, this is what Jesus boldly declared, explaining many times as he walked with his disciples over the course of those three years. I have to go to Jerusalem and suffer and die. At the hands of the elders and the chief priests, But three days later, I'll rise from the dead. And at the time, they had no idea what he was talking about. They did not understand. They did not understand the scriptures of prophecy, the Old Testament, pointing to that very thing. You hear all these common themes in here. Jesus is not from this world. He's from eternity, from heaven. He's not just human. He's also divine. The only begotten Son of God the Messiah, the Holy One of Israel. We call God our Father by adoption. He called God his Father natively. Just get your head around that for a minute. God of God, light of light, true God of true God, very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father. This is who Jesus is. I loved one of these, uh, the... the uh, phrases in in one of the hymns we sang a few minutes ago that talked about how Jesus is not just back there in ancient Palestine. He's in every time and place. He's alive. He's the living God, and we can walk with him and know him now. Now, I just want to encourage you with that. I remember when I first began to walk with Jesus uh, as a young adult in my, my 20s, and And, you know, i had come out of a place of real unbelief and not feeling or understanding the presence of God at all, not really even knowing who God was anymore, having all that childhood faith defaced by my years of rebellion and sin. And as I started to walk with God, I told myself, listen, it's by faith I'm doing this. I'm going to trust that he is with me. And I began to just say, Jesus, I may not feel you right now, but you have conquered death, and I know you're alive. And so I'm going to believe that you're with me, despite what my feelings may be." And in that state, I began to talk to him. Sometimes, I'd, you know, he'd, he'd be sitting in the chair next to me. Now, actually, he was with me. But that helped me to get my head around the fact that he was with me, to picture him in the chair there, to picture him in my imagination. And understand that he's the living God, not just some guy in history like Caesar who lived 2,000 years ago and did amazing things, but he's dead and washed away and just a remnant in history. But that's not who Jesus is. Jesus is the living God, and he came down to earth for us and for our salvation so we can walk with him and know him now. Now, some of you are like, man, I don't know. Can I get my head around that? Let me have some more amens. (laughs) That's good, that's good. You know, when he was hung on the cross, he was not just dying as a righteous man. He was dying as Almighty God, with authority to lay down his life and authority to pick it up again afterwards. And it, it had to be so to redeem us. You know, people have died horrible deaths, sometimes at the hands of fellow human beings throughout history, The crucifixion and being crucified, one of those ways. The Romans became experts at that, and they killed a lot of people that way. It's not that Jesus was just human, that he was able to save us and pay for our sins. None of those other deaths, including the death from the beginning of Abel, who offered the right sacrifice to God and had faith in him, killed by his brother Cain all the way through all history, no other human death suffices but the pure and spotless Lamb of God who came down from heaven for that purpose. Only God could pay for the sins of the world. Only God could take our place in death and have authority to take up his life again. Now, I want to encourage you with that because that means no matter what state of death you think you're in, What weight of sin sits on your shoulders and eats up your heart and hardens your mind that Jesus has paid for all of it? Amen. And he is able to redeem you out of all of it, to heal you, to give you a heart of flesh, to replace your mind with peace, to take away the torment inside and give you the peace that he knows because he's the author of it. Amen. That is right. Consider why he went to the cross. John records his words in John twelve. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now he's thinking himself as a kernel there. He's about to go on the ground. But out of the fruit of that plant will come many, 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 many billions of seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Do you love the world? That's what he's talking about here. Do you love the ways of the world? John the apostle says it somewhere else in one of his letters. Not the love of. The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, they are not from God. They are of this world. And whoever loves this world does not have the love of the Father in them. Has it died in you yet? So that you don't love the world in you anymore, but you love God instead. And true life and peace and joy and love and the giving of self to others, the giving away of this self that brings back the blessings on this self a hundredfold. Again, the kernel of wheat that falls in the ground and dies. Does your life look like that? Have you died to yourself so out of your life comes the multitude of blessings to other people? Unless a grain of wheat falls in the earth and dies, it remains alone. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. And now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And that's when he heard that voice. And they all heard it. It came like thunder from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd was there, heard it, Said it, thought it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. But Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now's the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Now, there's a scene at the end of the movie, The Passion of the Christ, that kind of captures this. If you haven't seen that movie, I encourage you to see it persevere through the 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 brutal depiction of the the crucifixion at the end of the movie. Spoiler alert, but it's in the Bible, so it's not really a spoiler alert. There's a scene where the devil is in a pit at the end of the movie after the crucifixion is finished and Jesus has died, and it shows the devil has been thrown down from his uh, wandering the earth in freedom to just do whatever he wants, and now he's been thrown into a waterless bottom pit like the the crater of a volcano. And he's in there raging at the heavens because his power has been stripped from him. Hallelujah. That is what Jesus has done. By dying on the cross, he has put an end to the enemy's permanent power over us to destroy us so that those who come to Jesus find redemption from the curse and release from the thumb of the devil on their lives to ruin them, no matter what their sins, because Jesus paid for them. So are you living under a curse, like the curse of the law, the curse of the sin, the curse of being a victim, the curse of victimizing somebody else? Come to Jesus with it and let him wash you clean. Jesus said about the devil, he has no place in me, no power over me. There's nothing in me that belongs to him. When you come to Christ and give yourself to him, including all the stuff of your life, the devil has to let you go. You're washing the blood. He can't even see you anymore. Not the way he used to. You're over there. I've read it so often. You know, there are people who dabble in witchcraft and in the occult, and they play with demons to get power. And I've read so often the accounts of them, some of whom have come to Christ, and they say, you know, we were trying to curse such and so Christian. And we could curse other people and watch their lives get messed up because we were involved with evil spirits. But we tried it with Christians, and it was like it was, uh, they had Teflon around them. It just bounced off. we couldn't figure out why. And then, oh, somebody tells us, oh yeah, they belong to Jesus. You can't touch them the way you can touch other people. And, and that's not an accident. It's because Jesus came to set us free from that kind of evil and deliver us. Now, if we've been playing around with the enemy and we've made room in our spiritual armor for that kind of attack, then we need to undo that. We need to renounce where we've done that so our armor gets whole again and we're not subject to those attacks anymore. Hebrews twelve two. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of the faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see why he went to the cross? For the joy set before him. He went to the cross, enduring its shame, Seated now at the right hand of the Father, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What was the joy set before him? Anyone want to hazard a guess? What's that? Our Our salvation. That's right. That's exactly right. Ephesians 2.4, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdoms of the air. That's a reference to the enemy. The spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us. There it is, the because. There's the why, because. Because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Because of his love for us, the joy set before him to bring us out of all that mess and seat us with him next to his Father. Brothers and sisters, if you are in Christ, you are royalty. You're a child of God seated next to the King, co-reigners with him because he's called you to his side. Ephesians 5, 2, Therefore walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. John 15, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. Just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Now, here it is. It's really hard, it's really obscure, it's really difficult to understand. Love one another. Love one another. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I learned from my father I've made known to you. When you walk with Jesus, you find out what's going on with God. You find out his plans, his purposes. You're brought into his inner counsels. You begin to understand what's going on in the world. You begin to understand what's going on in your past. You begin to understand what's going to go on in your future, and it's going to be good. Yeah. And so why did he do it? See, it's because he loves us madly, profanedly, extravagantly, immeasurably, that he lay down his life and took it up again. For the joy set before him that he might be the firstborn among many in the new Jerusalem, in the kingdom of God, that he might be, bring many sons and daughters to glory. In other words, for the joy of having a huge family, lots and lots of brothers and sisters, to share his glory and his joy and his love in for eternity. That's you and me. If you'll accept it and walk in it and know him and let him know you and obey him. By obedient faith, we come into the riches of the kingdom. If you put your faith in Jesus, that's you and me. And if you've not done so yet, this is a good day to commit yourself to Christ, to put your faith in him, To give yourself to obey him. To confess your sins and repent. To say, Lord, I have been living. Not nice. Not good. Just for myself. Loving the world. And it's just stuck here that I am. I want to know you and get out of it forgive me. I repent. Come in and save me. And if you ask him that with a sincere heart, he will absolutely respond to you. He promises in the scripture, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, answers the door and opens it, I'll come in and fellowship with them, eat with them and they with me. It's a, a, a vision of fellowship, of close walking with God, the God who is here with us today. We heard at the end of Matthew 28, Behold, I am with you to the ends of the age. I will never leave you, never forsake you. I am with you. By obedient faith in him, we overcome the world. He didn't just do all this work of salvation to love on us, but so that we would become people of love like him and live compassionate and in loving kindness towards each other. What will you do with that? Now, I I just want to wrap this up as we move to Holy Communion this morning. Sometimes when we consider the crucifixion, we're inclined to feel sorry when we see it, like to pity Jesus. And indeed, we should be sorry that our sin- sins required it, in the sense of the godly sorrow of repentance. And there is a time to weep over one's own sins, just as there's a time to weep over the sins of those of, that have been done against us. And uh, give forgiveness and to let ourselves receive it. But we should remember it was God's express will that Jesus be put to death. Isaiah 53 says it like this, Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. And after he suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities, their willful sins. You see, it was God's plan that that happened. Now, it was through people. People did it. We colluded in it. All of our sins were on Jesus on that cross. But it was God's plan from the beginning to make that happen. And so we should rejoice that God found a way to redeem us out of sin and death when we were stuck there since the beginning of our race's history. And God so loved us that he came up with a solution to take our place in that so that we could become his righteousness. So we could have eternal life. And all for what? To bring many sons and daughters to glory. Now, I want to turn, we turn now, to communion. Because these elements are the sign of what Jesus has done for us. In ancient Jewish tradition, these things would have represented the Passover lamb. If you've ever seen the Ten Commandments or read the Old Testament, you know what that's all about. The deliverance of the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt. The final judgment on Pharaoh and his his nation for their centuries of oppression and enslavement of the, the Hebrews. And the final plague, the descent of the angel of death to slay the firstborn of Egypt. And God instructed the people through Moses, take a lamb and slaughter it and paint its blood on the doorposts of your houses. And when the angel of death passes over Egypt tonight, I will pass over your homes when I see the blood and you'll be left untouched in that great judgment for wickedness on this nation. And then they'll know that I make a distinction between Egypt and Israel. Jesus took all of that symbolism and said, that was just a picture of what's about to really take place in me. That I, the Lamb of God, have come into the world to be slaughtered, to be a sacrifice on your behalf. My blood will be shed to establish a new agreement with God a new covenant better than the old one that came through Moses because this one will be full of grace and truth and the washing away of sins all the things that the old covenant could never accomplish to make us good it'll be accomplished in me and so take this bread tonight he said to them before he was crucified and seeing it that it's my body which is broken for you And that cup, drink it. It's the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for many, for us brothers and sisters, for the forgiveness of our sins. Do this in remembrance of me. So today, folks here on this special Easter day, when we're gathered together, or we're worshiping at home, Loving our Lord and wanting more of him. Let's take these elements and remember our Lord's death on our behalf and celebrate it and thank God for it. That God himself would take our burden and roll it off of us. Just like the stone was rolled off the tomb so Jesus could come out, the conqueror of death. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening to Igniting Your Faith. Let God's Word empower your life with new growth that encourages everyone you meet. Igniting Your Faith is copyrighted and published by Dr. Chris Fisher and First Church, Haven, Pennsylvania. Special piano music played by Cindy McClelland. You can find more information about Dr. Chris Fisher, this podcast, and the church at our website, havenfirstumc.org We hope you will join us again next week and let God ignite your faith.